Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey towards Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. Well, again, a very special day today that I am terribly excited to share with you. And uh, I'd love for you to be able to follow along with where I'm going. So let's see one more time. There we go. No, you're just not going to do. There we go. All right. So if you would, take out your phones now, hit that QR code. Uh, If you're joining us online, you can do the same. It'll be there for you. And that'll give you an opportunity to follow along with much of what we are doing today. But listen, don't get ahead. When you hit that QR code, there are going to be some interesting things there that you're going to want to dig into. But please wait for me, if you would not mind to wait for me to join you there. Um, Today is Vision Sunday, and uh, it's also the day that we celebrate our 12th and 3rd birthday. Uh, Now, here's what what I mean by that. Uh, 12 years ago, approximately 12 years ago, on Dr. King's birthday weekend, uh, my wife and I and a small team uh, launched this church publicly. Uh, If you were here in Atlanta at that time, then you may recall the great snowpocalypse part one. And uh, that is the week we started a church. So that kind of tells you about our culture from the beginning. Everybody was like, don't start a church that weekend. And we said, well, we're going to try anyway. And, uh, you know, by the grace and mercy of God, at that first Sunday, uh, 180 or so people showed up uh, while it was still snowing outside. That's still worthy of celebrating. Can we get a good clap for that? And then, uh, then of course, COVID happened. (laughs) And the world was shut down. And our church was closed physically uh, for the better part of 14 months. And I have to be honest with you, uh, I didn't know what would be here on the other side. Um, But as you can see, the Lord preserved us. And so we kind of count that as our second birthday, our rebirth three years ago. And uh, I just want to rejoice before the Lord for preserving us through that. Um, Guys, I'm telling you, uh, there are so many churches, friends, friends whose doors close forever. Uh, and we mourn over those losses. And at the same time, we celebrate God's great preserving power uh, over this community. Now, today, it's going to kind of be a three-part sermon, and, uh, and it's going to be a little different than normal. Uh, I'm going to preach a little bit of this text, and then I'm going to share with you kind of the vision for the year. And uh, all right. Thank you. And, uh, and then I'm going to show you something that I hope blows your mind as it has blown mine. But hear the word of the Lord this morning for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit, the Word of the Lord, and if you would say with me, thanks be to God. Father, we pray now that you would bless your Word and that we would be transformed by it, that no matter where we are in our journey with, toward, or away from Jesus, that we would truly experience the majesty and the wonder of being in the presence of the living God. We ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. As I said a moment ago, uh, 15 years ago, during a recession, no less. Uh, Brianna and I began our journey of starting Renovation Church. We had no money, no money. Uh, We had no team. Uh, In fact, that time in our life was so complicated that we were actually almost evicted uh, out of our uh, apartment at the time, down off of MLK before it became cool to live in the city. And uh, I remember all of the panic that we experienced during that time, the times that the Lord had to meet us, because all we had was a vision. All we had was a vision to move to the city to plant the gospel. And as the gospel was planted, hope that a community would form around it. And as that community formed around it, 
hope that a church would be birthed from it. Now, so much has happened since we started this journey. So much has changed. But I can tell you for me and for my house, uh, we have never been more energized toward what God might have us do and be in the coming seasons. And that's what today is about, prayerfully envisioning where we might go next in pursuing God's vision for our church and for the broader community. Now, these few passages we read together at the top of our time really capture the heart of what I believe God always desires for us, but particularly for this year. In fact, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting back in August, uh, I was praying for a word, and it's something I started doing uh, during COVID, actually, praying for a word that God would give me over our house. What would be the word over our house for this year? Now, I know many of you probably thought that the word in 2020 was survival, but it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was perseverance. Uh, and, and I was praying about 2023, and the Lord said to me very plainly, freedom, freedom, freedom. And it rung out in my heart over and over again, freedom, freedom, freedom. And I meditated on that word for the remainder of the prayer time. And I came home and I told my wife, I believe the Lord's word over our house for 2023 is freedom. And it witnessed to her spirit. And then I told it to the staff pastors that that I believe that it was freedom. And it witnessed to their spirit. And I told it to the prayer team. And they got more excited than any group of people I've ever seen. And so we found ourselves all on one accord that this would be the year of freedom for Renovation Church. And so then I began to pray about how to operationalize that, okay? Unnecessarily large word. How to put it into action, okay? How do you make freedom an activity? How do you make freedom something that is cultivated and matured and then multiplied among a group of people? And I began to ruminate on how that would play itself out down to the granular nature of our rhythms as a church and our church calendar. And God gave me some very specific impressions that I'm going to share with you. But first, he took me to our passage. Now, the context of our passage is Paul's seemingly unending correction of the church in Corinth. Okay? If you never read First and Second Corinthians, read it. And it will tell you everything about the 21st century church. Because not much has changed. Okay? God is God. People want to do what they want to do, and God puts other people in people's lives to tell them that you can't just do what you want to do. And this is what Paul was doing with, dealing with in Corinth for many years. And we only have two letters, but there were actually four that he wrote. And in fact, he mentions those lost letters in the letters that we have. Now, here again, he's trying to draw them to understand the true beauty and nature of what it means to be subject to God's covenant with his people through Jesus. And in order to do that, he reminds them of an Old Testament scene that will likely be fairly familiar to any of us who grew up in church. In fact, it'll probably be familiar whether you are a follower of the way of Jesus or not. Uh, The scene that he describes is the one where Moses goes up to meet with God to get the Ten Commandments. Everybody pretty familiar with that? Even the terrible Christian Bale version that some of us endured for Christian research and then were sorry that we lost three hours of our lives, right? But, but most of us are familiar with that. Moses goes up to the mountains to get the Ten Commandments from God. And because he's in the presence of God, the glory of God begins to transform to his, transfer rather, to his physical body and transform his appearance. That's a word for somebody right there. When we're in the presence of God and receive the glory of God, it will transfer to our person and transform our presence. Let me say it that way. Y'all awake this morning? Look, I'm very excited today. Don't don't upset me. Talk to me. I'll turn these lights up. I know, listen, heaven's not going to be dark. Let me just go ahead and tell you. So I know we have gotten used to church in the dark in the West, but heaven's going to be mad bright. Okay? So just bear with me. So that's the scene that's being described. And, And when Moses left the presence of God, Whenever he spoke the word of God to the people of God, he uncovered his face. But when he wasn't speaking the word of God, he veiled his face to keep the people from staring at him because his face was glowing with God's glory. Now, although the Old Testament does not explain it completely this way, Paul seemed to understand that one of the reasons Moses veiled his face was that the radiance was fading. 
The radiance was fading. In fact, his face would shine brightly for a while after he had been in the presence of God. But then eventually, the longer he spent out of the presence of God, actually ministering to the people, the glory would actually begin to fade. And so Paul states metaphorically that the same veil over the face, right, remained when the old covenant was read. When Jewish people in Paul's day read from the Torah, watch this, they could only see glimpses of God's glory, but not the full revelation. They were limited. They were limited. Because without Jesus, we can never see the full glory of God. Now, what Paul tells us here is that only in Christ is the veil that obscured the glory of God on Moses' face actually taken away. Why? Because the Bible tells us that Christ is the revelation of God, that Christ is the revelation of the glory of God, and that Christ, listen, Christ is the revelation of the glory of God in a way that Moses could never be. Christ is the revelation of the glory of God that will, watch this, never fade. This is what Paul is trying to get into their heart. This is what Paul is trying to help them understand. And yet because unbelieving Jewish people in Paul's day rejected Jesus, when Moses was read, watch this, the veil was essentially still covering their hearts. They saw only a small bit of the glory of God. By contrast, whenever anyone follows the way of Jesus, when one turns to the Lord, Paul says that the veil is removed, that the condition of the heart and the condition of the person and the condition of their presence and the condition of their will and the condition of their desires, should I keep going, and the condition of their choices and the direction of their lives and the understanding of their purpose and every single passion that they have is suddenly and irrevocably transformed. They can't be the same. You can't be the same having been, truly been in the presence of God. Now what Paul is alluding to is Exodus 34, 34, which of course spoke of Moses removing his veil, but he shifts the language toward Christ. That those who are one with Jesus see the glory clearly because the veil that dulls their mind has been completely eradicated. And now they see him for all that he is. Followers of the way of Jesus possess renewed hearts and renewed minds, enabling them to see the revelation of God more fully than those who were under the old covenant. This is what Paul is trying to tell the fledgling church. Now, many things remain hidden. Romans 11, 33 through 34 tells us that. But compared to his visibility under the old covenant, the glory of God is now highly visible in Jesus. Now, continuing to draw to the change that has taken place in Christ, Paul writes this following. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, and the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I had to give you context for that. You see, when Paul writes this, he's equating the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of God. The Holy Spirit is equal to Yahweh in every way. The Holy Spirit is not a it, it's not a thing, it's not a power, it's a he. And he deserves to be worshipped. Just as Jesus, just as the Father And where Moses turned to Yahweh for the removal of his veil in the new covenant, the spirit becomes the prime mover in the lives of God's people. In other words, it is he that frees us. It is he that leads us. It is he that energizes us. It is he that empowers us. It is he that strengthens us. The Bible says that the spirit that is inside of me is greater than any power that is outside of me. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. What does that mean? That means you're not a captive. You're not a victim, you're a victor. You are not bound. You are no longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to doubt. No longer a slave. But you are a son. You are a daughter of the living God. Listen, you're not a servant, you're a friend. What a friend I have in Jesus. You're a friend. And this is what happens because of the infilling and working of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul had not yet touched on the the theme of freedom in this context, but elsewhere in the epistles, the idea is clear. 
We who are in Christ are free. Free from the dominion of death. Free from the dominion of sin. Free from the power of darkness. That's why the Bible can say with confidence, resist the devil and he will flee. That's what the Bible says. We just forget that we have the power to resist. Or we extend an invitation instead of resisting. But this is the power that's inside of us to be free. To be free. This is a total transformation in Christ. And this part, this is my favorite part. It's not up there, so I'll just read it to you. It says, not only will we be free, but it says that there's an ever-expanding nature to this glory. I want you to go and read it for yourself. That there's an ever-expanding nature to it. So it's not a one-and-done. Right? It's not a one-and-done. That means that the more you lean in, he leans in. And the more you ask for, he gives. And the more authority you walk in, the more you have. That's what it means. That we with unveiled face will behold and be absorbed by the glory of the living God. And that means that nothing and no one else in this world has the marionette strings to make me do anything at all. Because nothing else, has po- nothing else has power over me. And nothing else has power over you. That's what Paul is saying. You are totally, totally free in Christ. Now, if this is true, man, I did good with my time. If this is true, and this is the hard part, okay? If this is true, that we should be experiencing freedom in every aspect of our lives. So why are we bound? If everything I just said is true, if we believe this word, then we should be experiencing freedom in our relationships. We should be experiencing freedom in our marriages. We should be experiencing freedom in our friendships. We should be experiencing freedom in our vocation. We should be experiencing freedom in our calling. We should be experiencing freedom in our worship. I long for the day where nobody up here has to tell you to open your mouth to sing praises to the Lord. Because you're free. You're free. If I said, go dogs, we open our mouth for that. Unless you're a yellow jacket, then you just cry. But... We know how to shout. We just need to redirect it to the right place. If this is true, we should be experiencing freedom in our finances. Now, notice I didn't say giving. You see, giving follows freedom. (laughs) That's That's why Paul says, don't give under compulsion. Because compulsion does not denote freedom. But once you're free... And you know that what you have is not yours to own, but to steward. And that God will, in fact, meet every need, like the Bible says, then you become free. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Are those who belong to the living God begging for bread? That's what the Bible says. Bring your first and your best and you will be blessed. That's what the Bible says. But freedom doesn't follow giving. Giving follows freedom. So if this is true, and I can go down the line, we should be free in community and stop hiding. You want to be known, but not too much. And then when the issue hit the fan, well, no one was there for me. Well, who knew you? Who knew you? Who knew you? Who knows you, Renovation Online? 
I love you so much, but as long as we're a place to watch on the screen, you can't have freedom and community. Not through this house. Not fully. And so the invitation we have before us is one to live free. And the reality is, and, and, and this is why I believe God gave, us, gave me that word, because I've been trying to solve it. That's what I do, right? That's what I do. I get in God's way all the time by trying to solve problems he didn't ask me to solve or create solutions I didn't pray about. <laughs> is it just me? No. 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 That's what I'm saying. Don't, don't take this as a whooping. Take this as one man telling you his problems. And inviting you to solve them together in community. And so, yeah, all, all the time. All the time. I've, become, so I've, I've been trying to solve it. I've been trying to solve it. How do we get this? How, do we, how are we going to do that? How, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to? And the Lord said, clear as day. Until my people are free, they will never produce the works of, king, of the kingdom for which they are capable. You see, the reality is that most Christians are bound. They are bound by political ideology, bound by generational bondage. You got some things on your life you didn't ask for. And Jesus says you can give them to them. But we got to become more comfortable in freedom than we are in familiarity. Bound by lingering sin patterns. Bound. Bound by fear. You know, that's what's underneath closed fist. It's fear. If I don't take care of me, no one will. Well, you can't hold that equal with a God who says he'll take care of your every need. Somebody's got to win. So if you're going to take care of you, God can't. He can't. It's not how it works. It's relinquishing. So, if the church is bound, then we have our answer for why things are the way they are. Right? That's why the church is not operating in power. That's why we don't see the miraculous things. That's why we are so easily co-opted by political parties. Because if we don't operate in our power, we'll be clamoring for other people's worldly power. And so this year, I, I, listen, I have no say in your life as an individual. I don't. Not really. I get up, I do what I do. I hope for the best. It's a very freeing thing. For my first 15 years of ministry, I lived under so much weight. Like, man, if I don't get it just right and say it just right, then these things. And the Lord was like, bruh, bruh. That's how he talked to me. <laughs> you don't affect changing people. And I was like, ah. Now, some of you can take that and apply it to your spouse. We don't affect changing people. That's so all I can do is extend an invitation. And I have no say in the broader church in Atlanta. I don't. I want it for the whole church. I want freedom for the whole church. I do, for the big C church. It is all I want in the world. But I can't try to lead you there. I can't try. And so that is what we're going to spend our energy on this year. Striving by the Spirit's power. Right? That's the caveat. By the Spirit's power to invite freedom into our own lives and to cultivate freedom in the community around us. And I really, really do hope that you join me on that journey. So that's part one of this message. Here's part two. I'm going to walk us through our year together, and I hope you get excited about it. The first thing that we're going to do this year, as always, we're going to continue to pursue our vision of seeing the world awaken to the wonder of God and his transcultural church. That is our vision as a church, that we want to see the world awaken to the wonder of God 
and his transcultural church by being and helping people become those that know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Do you know that's your whole spiritual journey? In four words, you come to know God. Then you begin to find freedom. You begin to be loosed from the things that held you for so long. You begin to believe that I don't have to be what anybody else told me I am. I can be who he says I am. You start to find freedom. And then you discover that there's not a purposeless person on the planet. That I don't have to just go through the motions at a meaningless job, but that I can actually find the thing that God has made for me to do. You don't believe me? Look up Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes that you are a masterpiece made by a master craftsman to create a masterwork formed for you before the foundation of the world. That's your purpose. You just got to step into it. And then, once you discover your purpose, you start to make a difference in the world. We did a series uh, uh, last year called Happy. How to get it, how to keep it, how to give it away. You know what the number one variable of happiness is? Serving other people. Did you know that? You can look, always Google me, always fact check me. Okay? When they did a study on the elderly, the people who died the earliest and who felt the most hopeless were those who had stopped serving other people. You want to live a long life? Pour it out for other people. That is the number one thing. And then we will continue to embody our values to shape our culture within and beyond our church by behaving as Jesus-centered, behaving. What's that word? Behaving as Jesus-centered, spirit-led, socially conscious, and transcultural people. Now, I didn't know what I was going to do today about our brother Tyreek. I didn't know if I was going to say anything. I didn't know. Because I've been saying something for 15 years. You think you're prolific? You should have seen me on Twitter back at 17. <laughs> Fighting everybody all day. And moving the needle zero. Because hashtags don't change the world. People do who demand different policies and who promote human flourishing because they are Jesus-centered people, because they are socially conscious people. And I truly believe that if the social orientation of people moves back into the local church, that we will actually see the power that we saw in the civil rights movement in the 60s. But as long as we're trying to engineer it, we're going to remain in the same cycle. And so I pray, I pray for that mother who lost a son, for that family who lost a brother or a cousin, for a future that was buried before it was meant to be buried by his own people. But that's why we got to care as a church. We got to care. This is who we are. So if you're new, it's a great day for you because now you get to decide. The only thing I would ask, if you're a Christian, is to remember that the cross had a vertical and horizontal axis. And if your faith is only vertical and not horizontal, it's not complete. It's not complete. It's a truncated gospel. Now, that is who we aim to be. Across this year, we have four major goals for our church. Okay? Four major goals. Come on, zoom in on that thing. Zoom it in. There we go. We want to see 50% of our attenders and 100% of our members tithing. Tithing is the floor, it's not the ceiling. Don't get quiet now. Come on. <laughs> we just talk about freedom. We just talked about it. If you can't trust God with a tenth, how's he going to trust you with more? He can't. This is the parable of the talents. I just listened to it this morning. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. 
The one that he gave five said, Master, the five you gave me, I doubled it. Because I used my gifts to multiply what you put in my hands. And the one with the two, he said, Master, you gave me two, black out, got four. Because I used my gifts to double what you put in my hands. And the one that he gave one said, I knew you were a harsh master. Reaping what you didn't sow and taking what you didn't put in. So I put, you, I put it in the ground. Here's your stuff back. You remember what Jesus said? Anybody? The master said, you wicked and foolish servant. If you knew I was all these things, and that was, that's the part. If this is who you thought I was, then you would have behaved differently. So he called his bluff. This is not who you thought I was. This is the excuse you're using to not do what I asked you to do. If this is who you thought I was, then you, then you would at least put it in the bank <laughs> and let me get two, three percent. And that's over the lifetime of the annuity. You would at least put it in the bank. But instead you put it in the ground. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take what I gave you and I'm going to give it to somebody who will do something with it. Y'all better listen. It's because I love you. Generous people always have enough. Ungenerous people never have enough. They never have enough. So we want to see 50% of our attenders, 100% of our members. Because if you're a member, you have made a covenant with this body. 100% of our members tithing. Number two, we want to grow our weekend attendance to 1,100 people. What does that require? It requires you to do the work of the evangelist. And to actually long to see people who are far from God be a part of this community. That is the longing of my heart. And that's how I want to see our church grow. I do. I want to see the unchurched and the dechurched and the deconstructing be a part of this community. Because I believe that it is a beautiful, wonderful, gospel-saturated community where they can wrestle with all their stuff and not be judged for it. But it's not a one-person job. It's an all-person job. You realize that if every one person who worshiped here worshiped here more than one time a month, we'd double immediately. And if you invited one friend, we'd quadruple. Just one. Just one. And so do this for me as I turn my back. Look at the seat to the left and the right. If you've got an empty seat for you, by you, and I want you to imagine who God might put in that seat. It's a hard sell. Yep. Because life and death is on the line. It's not about me making a name by growing a big church. Did it? Wasn't that great? It's about people going and being separated from God forever. Forever. That's what's on the line. Never forget what he plucked you from. There are people still living in that mire. Waiting for somebody to extend a hand and pull them out. Number three, greater than 50% of weekend attendance in small groups. Do I need to explain that? If you can't do it alone, which the Bible says you can't, then you should probably be in community. Isolation is your great enemy. And it's what our enemy waits for. He waits for the little, little lamb to fall behind the pack and get snatched up. And I guarantee you, for those of us who are followers of the way who have, I'm going to use that old school term, backslidden. When did it happen? When did it happen? When you were solo dolo in the cut. Let me translate. <laughs> when you had isolated yourself from people who loved you and pulled yourself out of community, that's when the enemy drags you into the bush. That's what he does. That's how lions hunt. And the Bible in 1 Peter says he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. That's what it says. So, again, I, I can't affect change in you. I can speak strong. I can plead. I can beg. Get in community. There's no reason that that shouldn't be 100%. That's how little our faith is. There, I said it. I ain't even got no mustard seed faith. It should be 100%. Because every single one of us needs other people. We do. Number four, 416 first-time guests. How do we get that number? I'm going to tell you how. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you how. It's very precise. You see, we average five to 12 first-time guests a weekend when we're growing. And so we average that out over the year. I'd love for it to be more than that. That's average. 
I'd love for us to be above average. But that's average. And that's an opportunity to see more people meet Jesus. Now, all church Sundays, what are these? What are those? All church Sundays. These are Sundays where I'm asking every single one of us to do what we have to do to be here. I don't care if you got to take off work, take some vacation time, get up before 11 for the first time in your life. Okay? All church Sundays are Sundays that I'm asking that our whole house be here. Why? Because these are days that we are launching series that we are hoping are going to draw people from the outside into our community. So February 19th, of course, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is starting. April 16th, we're doing, which you'll see on the calendar here in a minute, uh, we're doing a series called Simple Money, Rich Life. I'm super excited about that. Uh, and then September 10th, we're doing The Road Back to You. November 12th is At the Movies. December 10th is Christmas Songs. These are sermon series that are for the believer, but are oriented toward those who are far from God. Okay? Life, you know, life practical application stuff from the word. And so my request to you is you be here. Just be here. It's a low bar. Next bar, bring somebody. Be here and bring somebody. One, two, five times a year. I'm asking for five extra Easter's. Okay? I, five, that's, not, that's not a lot. Is that fair? That's fair. I'm asking for five extra Easter's. We're going to have six Easter's this year. Because y'all were here for Easter, right? Both of these rooms were full. And I was like, woo! And the next week I was like, dang. Guess they're going to catch me on the podcast. Six Easter's. I believe we can do that. And we're going to pester the heck out of you about this. So don't be turning off your notifications and unsubscribing. I don't know what's going on at the church. Oh, let me see. You got, no, I'm not subscribed. Oh, well, Godspeed. Five Sundays, all church. Okay? Here are the events for 2023. I'm going to blow through these. Put, open up your phone real quick because we made something for you that I'm excited about. So open up that QR code that you opened. And all this stuff is in there. I'm, I'm a couple pages ahead. But it's a little flip book, and it's so adorable. And uh, Pastor Doug made that for y'all, so I want y'all to be thankful for my man Diddy. January, 21 days of prayer, the miracle series we already did, and then Vision Sunday. Of course, small group leader trainings are happening all throughout the month, including today. And I'll move on from that. February, singles conference going down. We are hosting uh, all of the counselors in Cobb County. We are hosting their best practices trainings for the rest of the year. Yes, right. Look, God is trying to position us to do some stuff. Come on, man. Elite Women of Excellence is holding their lock-in here. We have our small group showcase next door on the 12th. And then the semester begins. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, as I said, and then team night. March, <laughs> one thing, staff planning retreat. Why did I leave that up there? You're like, we don't even know about that. You really don't, but it's there. So here's what I'm... <laughs> Listen, we are, we're actually going to be shifting our ministry year. Uh, instead of January to December, it's going to be September to July to more match the rhythm of the school calendar and things like that. And so we're going to that planning retreat in March to actually start planning out part of 2023 so that we can Frankenstein these years together to get us ahead for the next round. Uh, in April, we have Holy Week. This is the first time we've ever done this. We're going to do a service every single day from Palm Sunday through Easter at different times. If you can make it, make it. Uh, I really believe that this is going to be a monumental thing and opportunity for our church as we examine every day of Jesus' life leading up to his crucifixion. And then we launch Simple Money, Rich Life, and then, of course, our spring member meal. May, spring baptisms. I'm praying for 100 baptisms. I put it out there. 100. Okay. Uh, then Mother's Day, we have our mental health awareness series that month. Uh, super excited about that. We're going to have our doctors back on stage, and I will be out of the way. And then summer small group leader trainings as well. June, we have our first kids camp for elementary students. Uh, so y'all should be excited about that. Uh, summer blast kids camp. 
summer semester of groups will be going on. We're hosting a men's conference June 16th and 17th. We're going to rally the fellas. And then we're starting a series, Change Your World. And, of course, Father's Day on the 18th. July, serve day, super stoked about that. And then our block party after, we're hosting KAA again, uh, which is the middle and high school camp that we hosted here last year. Uh, we had about 100 students last year. We're looking to double or triple that this year, okay? So super excited about being able to serve that community, and then we're having a special motion night. I'm personally excited about this. We're going to do a vocational commissioning. So we're going to lay hands on all the business leaders and marketplace leaders in this church who want to have hands laid on them, and we're going to pray for them and commission them as missionaries into the world as we would anybody that we would be sending overseas, right? Because that is what God is doing in your mission field. August, uh, there are the dates for that first Wednesday on second Wednesday, 21 days of prayer and fasting, things that, that yeah, amen. And then September, we have in our marriage conference, September 8th and 9th, uh, our fall ministry season launch. That's an all church Sunday, right? We want you to be here for that. Thank you, one person. And, uh, and then a new series wrote back to you, October and November. October, we're doing our women's conference. Oh, see, see, fellas, they did better than you. Okay. And then November, we're hosting two movie nights as well as our At the Movies series launch. December is Legacy Sunday, December 3rd. We're going to celebrate our leaders with brunch on the 9th. And then we launch our Christmas songs series there as well. So it is going to be a full, full year that I really do hope you are as excited about as I am excited about. And then, of course, we have some recurring things that we're always doing, motion nights for our students, and then first Wednesday, every first Wednesday, except for January and August, because we're coinciding those with the fast. Now, to accomplish all of this, we believe that our operating budget for this year will be $1.35 million, okay? Uh, and that is what it's going to cost. Uh, now, let me tell you, what you guys did last year, and, and, and I believe that this is where they're celebrating. We had a budget of $900,000 last year, okay? And you guys brought your first and best to the tune of $1.4 million, okay? So, actually, it was just over that. And so we based this year's budget off of 90% of last year's income, which is the way that we do our finances here when we can. The only time we haven't done it was during those years of COVID where we were in pure survival mode. Now, that's part two of the sermon. Here's part three. And this is, oh, I'm so excited about this. So if you guys don't know, we have a couple of acres out here on the front of our property uh, and an amphitheater looking thing with string lights hanging down. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. This is the current state. Okay. And actually, can y'all see this? This little piece right here like fell down the other day. Uh, because, well, I won't say that because the Lord has taught me to strain my tongue. Um, but this is current state. This is what it presently looks like. And Pastor Doug took those pictures for us. It's in three terraces down the front. Now, the original plan when we bought this building was to turn that into a giant parking lot uh, and facilitate more parking to have more services here on the weekend. And over the course of COVID, I got convicted that that was not the best use of that space, but I didn't know what God would do. And I began to pray, and then some opportunities began to surface uh, through the Chamber of Commerce, uh, through the uh, uh, Women of Excellence, and then through meeting with the principal from Wheeler High School and, and other people who are invested in the well-being of this community. And then if you were here in December, the principal from Wheeler came and spoke to us and told us that the greatest gift we could bring to this community in his school district is to provide a place for his kids to go uh, after school and at other parts of the week and on the weekend. So, current state, everybody got a good view of that? Follow me, follow me, there we go. And then one more. And this is what we hope future state will look like. So, yeah. That's pretty dope, right? I actually cried the first time I saw it. I cried like a baby. I'm dead serious. I was like, Lord, can you do this? Can you actually do this? And he took me back to the passage where he told Sarah she was going to have a baby at 90 years old and said, is anything impossible for God? Okay. So this is future state. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That is an apt response. One more. 
So this is what we're hoping to do. And to help me explain what we need to do to do it, I'm going to invite a couple of members of our legacy team to come up briefly and share with us. Man, we're going way over right into the next service, and I'm all right with that. Uh, would y'all come on up, please? Come on up. Welcome them up, if you would. And I think you can grab that mic right there, and you guys will just share it. We good, Linda. We, we share one. They go, is it on? There we go. Hey, here we are. Well, family, it is so good to be up here with you. So, yes, as Leon said, we're from the Legacy team, and we wanted to, to share with y'all an exciting opportunity that God has put on our hearts, really put on our hearts even back in 2021, and he's been working and working and, and processing beautiful to fruition. Uh, real quick, if you don't know what Legacy team is, Legacy team is those people that we believe God is gifted with the spirit of generosity because we believe that God gives his body many gifts. Yeah. So real quick plug, if you feel like you have a spirit of generosity and you're interested in activating that and using that, as we talked about with what we do with this church, then come reach out to us, talk to us. We would love for you to join us. And if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, we have a thing for that too. It's called Growth Track. Growth Track. So go to Growth Track and figure out how God has given you his spiritual gifts because we follow a great God who gives us many gifts. So let's go to the exciting part. As Lance has shared with you, we have this fantastic opportunity to develop this building go flourishing. And God put on the heart of our legacy team to really lead the way in what we thought was mobilizing and accelerating the vision that God has for our church through renovation through all of y'all. And so the legacy team, through prayer and thought, came forth with an idea to put together a match to fund this project. This project is not a part of our budget at all. It's not a part of our operating budget that we're gonna do. Everything here would be above and beyond what God would be asking for us. And so Legacy Team has put together a match of, I think it's $636,200. And that number keeps changing because people keep giving from the Legacy Team and pledging. Literally this morning, we got more pledges during service. God is working. There's incredible opportunity there, y'all. So th th what we'll be doing is for the rest of this year till the end of the year, every dollar, and we'll figure out, we'll give you more details on how exactly you can do that but, uh, later on, but every dollar you give towards the funding of this vision that we have up here will be matched by the legacy team up into that number that we have raised for the match fund there. Uh, we know this project is somewhere going to be around a million to a million and a half dollars unless you have an, more exact numbers. Got it right there. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Yes. So the total project cost uh, per our uh, architect, which is BCA Architecture, total project cost is going to be about $1.5 million. Uh, I had the legacy team match at 600000 but they just keep giving. Uh, praise God for that. And, and so we are hoping the whole church then would respond to this small team. And, and so what we're talking about is 900 people. 900 people matching the generosity of 30, okay? That's the opportunity we have before us. So back to you, sir. Yeah, so that's our ask for y'all. As you go through this year and we talk about freedom and how God will work to you, our heart, and I truly believe, and I think we believe this as a team, God has been telling us, like, we're gonna fund this project and God's gonna do incredible things. I mean, we keep going back to 2 Corinthians and he keeps telling us, will you sow bountifully mm. and see how we will reap bountifully. And as Lance said, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, because we are free and God has freed us. Yes. And so I'm really excited. I think we're all excited as we walk through this idea of financial freedom as one of the freedoms this year. We want to see every single person in this church find financial freedom and to see God and open up your ideas to the way God blesses us. And as he tells us in Malachi, if we bring him even his tithe, just the tithe, That's right. he will open up heaven and pour down blessings till there's no more need. And this is just the beginning of what he can do, y'all. So we want to invite you to that. We're so excited for what God will do. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You guys, you want to add anything, Curios? It was good. It was good. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. So... What is required to get this done? And then I'm done, okay? Number one, everyone praying. Everyone praying. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament where Ezra and Nehemiah are leading God's people back to Jerusalem. 
to rebuild the temple, to rebuild their place of worship that had been torn down by war and subjugation and everything that they went through, maybe even a pandemic. And the Bible says that before they even began the journey, they prayed, which is why we spent 21 days in prayer and fasting and why we will continue to pray every Saturday morning. And we're even thinking about adding another morning during the week. I'm praying about praying. So everyone praying, everyone praying, and Ezra indeed called a fast as well. But not only everyone praying, everyone giving. Listen to this. Ezra writes, and I weighed out to them the silver and the gold and the vessels and the offering for the house of our God that the king, his counselors, his lords, and all Israel, all Israel, their present had offered. Everyone gave. And because everyone gave, they were able to rebuild the temple. And then lastly, everyone serving. At that time, those who had come from captivity, the returned exiles, also delivered the king's commissions to the king's satraps and to the governors of the province beyond the river. And they supported the people and the house of God. They supported the people and the house of God. Everyone serving. Everyone giving. Everyone praying. Everyone serving. If we do this, if we do this, guys, developing the front of that property, that's small potatoes. If our whole church was giving and our whole church was praying and our whole church was serving, we have unending potential to be the impact in this community that God would have us to be. And so that's our invitation to you today. That's my invitation to you today to follow the spirit of God, obey his voice, and let's see him do wondrous things. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would enliven our hearts in a way that is truly transformative. Father God, I pray that this call, this call above and beyond our operating budget and even our operating budget will be fully funded because your people fully trust you. Father God, I pray this idea that everyone would give and everyone would serve and everyone would pray, that that word, everyone, would truly be operationalized in the hearts of your people, and that we would be transformed in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.